Well, good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and again today I have Pastor John Schubert. His hands are in the air. Oh, we got, got, <laughs> got Rick, Rick Whitmer, and uh, yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back in the room. It's good to be with you. Thank. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. It's a double honor to be it's with double. you, isn't it? Yeah, especially yeah. today. Especially today. <laughs> Why? What's what's what is different about today, John? Jeremy got to work on time today. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> one day away from termination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's one day in a row now. Hey. No, no, Jeremy comes early all the time. But no, uh, today's a great day. This is the first day Jeremy has been in the office as a person with a academic degree. It's true. Wow, and you I, did it. Not e- I didn't even have a high school degree. I just <laughs> <laughs> he went straight to the bachelor's. You did. <laughs> why did you skip? If you're going to skip like the the high school degree, why don't you skip the bachelor's and go straight to the doctor? Well, yeah. I was kind of hoping that I was getting a doctor, but that uh, apparently that's not the case. So. Well, Rick, can we just you know knight him right now with an honorary doctorate? I Do think I- so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. We can make a website. I mean, you have a master's degree. I have a master's degree. Two master's degree makes a doctorate. So yeah. let's let's just yeah, yeah. give that doctorate to him. Okay. No, wait. Do we get to keep ours? Well, we get to keep the master's. Okay. All right. Yeah. So people have to call me Dr. Pinch now, right? Dr. Right. J. Yeah. They don't have to. Most The most honorable doctor. They just yeah. need to. Yeah. <laughs> How does it feel? Dr. Uh, J. Yeah. <laughs> um, it feels good. I bet. It feels good. A massive weight off my shoulder. How shoulders. long did you sleep on Sunday night? Um, for... You just woke up this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he woke up and realized I was when late he went for to work. Sleep, he said, "Yeah, late for work." No, I told him this morning that he, he woke up this morning and realized he had four kids, not two. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> yes, I uh, I'm done, so it feels good. Man, it feels good. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank congratulations. You. Thank you. Yeah. Has John MacArthur personally reached out yet? Um, you know, not yet. Kind of disappointed, but uh, yeah. I'm I heard he's going to have you on his podcast. Well, I thought I was going to be preaching at the Shepherd's Conference, but uh, that apparently isn't. That invitation hasn't been <laughs> there was a reason. Yet. There was a reason to cancel the Shepherd's Conference, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't the government of California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I won't speculate why. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to preach on? Uh, you know, I, gonna... I heard it was going to be on the person and work of Jesus Christ. I think so. I think so. Always, um, always good. You know, I thought my schooling would help in that regard, but then I realized I really didn't learn much over the last five years. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, today... I'm sending this podcast to John MacArthur. Yeah. <laughs> today we are discussing the second person of the Trinity, uh, God the Son, and before... I walked into this room, I was thinking that uh, it was a year ago this week, I believe, that our nation was shut down, or at least our state was, for, for COVID. Was that the case? Uh, yeah. it w- Our last service, um, before everything went dark um, and we went online for a little while, was March 9th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that was, and then I think March 15th was the first Sunday that we didn't have church. So a year ago, a year ago, yesterday. 15th or 16th. And. That would be a day off. And people should also know that this is another special week 
it's not because of the the anniversary of the COVID. The COVID. The COVID. The COVID. But it is the 18th anniversary of Sun Valley Church. Yeah. First yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Which was March. That's amazing. Uh, I think 14th, 2003. Crazy. Yeah. That's back when Jeremy was six. Yeah. Or three. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, or 11. Um, but... <laughs> That's the same year I got my high school degree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm in the room with a bunch of teeny boppers. Man, good grief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope, not going to do it. I was an old man back then. You were. What does that yeah. make me now? Ancient. Yeah. <laughs> Decrepit. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know they made him that old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Father Abraham. <laughs> uh, well, yes, 18 years. God's been so good. 18 years. He has been. He has been. Now, do we have this statement of faith 18 years ago, yes. or has it been adjusted at all? We've done some adjustment, but um, nothing substantial. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've added on to the uh, anthropology a little bit, just to, to clarify issue, where yeah. we are um, in relation yeah. to things that the culture is getting massively confused yeah. about. Yeah, but I don't think that the, the, the doctrinal statement on the person of the Godhead has changed. Yeah. 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 So no line of the original doctrinal statement has been altered. Okay. Just added to like a paragraph. That was a few years ago. Yeah. So. Okay. So speaking of adding to, uh, I'm not going to read through this statement just because our, our statement on Christ is, is somewhat long. So again, if you want to read through, uh, our church's statement on the person and work of Christ, uh, you can go to our website and find that under the tab of what we believe. Um, but Christ, Christ is an important figure, obviously in history, but also an important figure in, in our church because we talk about him all the time. Um, explain some some key aspects, if you will, uh, of Christ's role within within the Trinity. That is a pretty big question. Um, and of course, his role is directly connected to his person, mm-hmm. right? Divine, uh, and that divinity is uh, integral to our salvation. So the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask that question, besides the fact that he is the second person of the Godhead, second person of the Trinity, is his role in our salvation. Mm-hmm. And I maybe that's not the case with some. Christians, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind when you say, what was his role? Well, we're sitting here as redeemed people because of what Christ accomplished Mm. in his earthly life, um, which isn't separate from his eternal existence. Mm. So I think that to me, when you ask that, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. His role was securing my salvation, dying Mm. from my sins, raising again in his resurrection to new life and purchasing me, mm-hmm. redeeming me, mm-hmm. forgiving me. Yeah. That's all the work of Christ. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's going to be our song throughout eternity. Yeah. You know, yeah. redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Yeah. Yeah. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just... Uh, Overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know. We last Sunday I preached on standing in awe of the the word, 
and it was uh, actually our hearts standing in awe of the Word of God. And this particular um, viewpoint, considering the revelation of Jesus Christ, is what personally causes my heart to stand in awe yeah. of God. I mean, I'm I'm awestruck by the nature, the divine nature of God generally. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the specifics, this is this mm. is like. This is doctoral territory, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm going to say anything about this, uh... <laughs> go ahead, Rick. Did you say doctrinal or doctoral? Yes, doctoral. Yeah. So Jeremy, take it away. Yeah, Doctor Doctor J. Doctor J. <laughs> no, I'm here to listen to you guys. Oh, um, we t- we kind of touched on this last week when we were talking about the Father, but um, and I'll just actually just take a, a small section from the Nicene Creed because you ask about you know the the role of Christ within the triune Godhead and you know we confess whenever we confess the Nicene Creed that we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ the only begotten Son of God begotten of the Father before all worlds God of God light of light very mm-hmm. God of very God and so there's this aspect of the fact that eternally the Son of God has, been a relationship of love with the Father. Mm-hmm. He's begotten of the Father, but he's not created. And that's where um, some of the heresies get it wrong, is is by thinking that only begotten means created. Mm. When in, in reality, the apostles, when they, like in, in John 1, the only begotten Son of God, um, John 3.16, th- these, the begottenness of Jesus is his utter uniqueness. There's no one like him. He's the Son of God in a way that nobody else, as the sons of God, saved through Christ, are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's the unique brightness of the Father's face, mm-hmm. um, the image of the invisible God. And so when we see Jesus, we're seeing the Father. Is what, and Jesus told that to the Jews. And yet there's a submission there. There is. You mm-hmm. know, an eternal submission. Yeah. Which is hard to understand. It is. When you talk about co-equality, which is what we believe. Right. You in in our day, when you say uh, I'm co-equal with somebody, you're saying I don't have to submit to them. As yeah, there's no authority. <laughs> right, there's yeah. no supervision. I'm co-equal. You yeah. can't tell me what to do. And yet, in the in the Godhead, you have that equality yet submission of the Son to the will of the Father, which is why He prayed the way He did when He was in Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and and that's actually a pretty robust. Um, debate, even within Reformed theology. Um, there are a, a number of Reformed theologians who do not believe that the ter- that the Son eternally submitted to the Father, but we do see that language in Scripture, um, and there's pretty good support for that. Like this, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah, and that's not just something that... That's kind of hard to get around. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially since that will was uh, ex- existent um, in eternity past. Mm-hmm. So that will has always been... The, the the idea of the Son of God dying for the sin sins of his people was not uh, thought of during time and space. It was created before time began. Mm. And, that, and, and Peter makes that clear. Before the foundation of the, wor- the world, the lamb was slain. Mm-hmm. It, was, mm-hmm. it was accomplished before there was one Adam created. And which requires that eternal submission of the Son, right? I mean, uh, yeah. that's the only way yeah. I can think of it. 
Yeah, and I and I've you know we, when we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the Son of God who has two natures, right? Mm-hmm. Which is wild, and and also requires a lot of precision. And there's and there's and, there, and speaking of precision, there's a beginning to that second nature. There is. There's not a beginning to the first, obviously. There, he is right. God of God, like you just read. Yeah. But there is a beginning to that second nature. And since Jeremy just graduated with a degree, he's going to have to say what that is. What is that, man? What is it? The beginning uh, of his, that second nature. His human nature. Yeah. When did that begin? He was in school. Wow. You, t- you got something <laughs> over those five years. <laughs> I paid attention in that one class <laughs> and I nailed it. On that one day. <laughs> or he read the Nicene Creed. Yeah. 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 So the conception. Yeah. The conception of Jesus. Siri, 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 you were not invited to this party. And so, um, you know, the way Augustine put it, Augustine said about that, the taking on the the human nature, becoming, um, remaining what he was, which is what John's talking about, his eternal nature, remaining God, he became what he was not. Yeah because he never was a human before. Mm-hmm. But when he takes on that human nature, now he has two complete natures, divine and human. So he actually has a human will. Yeah. And he has a divine will. And his divine the divine will is never at odds with the father's purpose and Jesus always submits his human will yeah. to the father's purpose. So in the one Christ, you have these things happening at the same time that have always been and also are earthly. And that's really at the heart of Incarnation theology. Yeah. That's that that that's the difficulty of Philippians too, the kenosis passage. Yeah, you know when you're trying to navigate that arrangement mm-hmm. in yeah. one person. Yeah. You know Jesus, the eternal Son of God, Jesus, the human natured Son of God, yeah. and so it's like yeah. because you know you think of you think of how at least when we think of it on an elementary level, how did, how did Mary get pregnant with the person of Jesus. It says the Holy Spirit came upon her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's that idea of the fatherhood of God, even in the human nature of Christ, mm. which is confuses some people. Right, right. You know, so. Yeah, what are some of the, would you say, are some of the misunderstandings that people have when they read in Philippians 2 that Jesus emptied himself by taking human nature? Well, I think, I think a common one that I think we talked about when we studied that portion of Scripture was that he, he stopped being God right. mm-hmm. in, in that sense and took on human nature fully and, and lived out his earthly life as a human, not as God. And so he gave up his power, he gave up his authority, he gave up his co-equality, all that stuff, yeah. so that he could become one of us. And that's a misunderstanding yeah. of yeah. the human nature or the, or the or the dual nature of Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's more. Yeah. One that one that I think of is is the idea that somehow he shelved some of his attributes. Yeah, that's what I mean. He gave up that divine nature side of things. Yeah, like he he wasn't omnipresent anymore. For that time. Right. Well, he actually was because God can't change, right? God can't change. Mm-hmm. And so as, and that's where one of the most helpful distinctions we as, you know, <laughs> finite people can make in order to stay faithful to what scripture teaches about the two natures of Christ is to realize that when we see Jesus at any point in his, from the gospels on, um, we have to think, what is the author highlighting here? Is he highlighting what pertains to Jesus' divine nature 
or is he highlighting what pertains to Jesus' human nature? Mm-hmm. Because when it says that Jesus wept, or that Jesus hungered, or that Jesus died, that has in view his human nature. Mm-hmm. Because God in his divine nature can't die, he can't hunger. And he's everywhere. He's everywhere. But Jesus, as to his human nature, is human like us. Mm-hmm. He's at one place at one time, He, which is why we don't believe that the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation in the supper can be true because Jesus can't physically be present, you know, everywhere that the supper's taken. Sure. Um, and But whichever nature of Jesus is primarily in view, yet what happens in either nature is true of the whole Christ. Mm. And that's what makes it hard to understand. Yeah. Because it's hard to say... Jesus is not in uh, that Lord's Supper, but he is everywhere. Yeah. That's, that's a conflict mm-hmm. in the minds yeah. of most. Yeah. So yeah. There's, a, there's a challenging uh, <laughs> bit of theology there. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And that's why the, the Chalcedonian definition um, is so helpful. One of the early church confessions of, of faith regarding the natures of Christ, because yeah. it really gets at it from so many different angles, and it, and it really clarifies what are we talking about, what are we not talking about. Yeah. Um, and, the reason, and the reason those, those um, gatherings, you know, like the confessions and the creeds and all those things that developed in the first century, uh, or first 500 centuries really, uh, are, are so important is because it was back then that the church was wrestling with these important issues and came to conclusion yeah. on them. Yeah. And so our modern day disagreements with these old confessions and creeds is a, a little bit uh, arrogant, in my opinion. <laughs> right. These guys weren't stupid. They, Jeremy, had doctorates. And they all <laughs> gathered, in fact, for years to discuss these things. <laughs> And uh, here, here, let me just say this. Us three wouldn't have been invited <laughs> to, to one of those I, events. I, t- I take offense at that. I mean, I totally agree, but I find it offensive. <laughs> we would have been anxiously waiting back at the dock for the, for the reply. I mean, come on. Jeremy's speaking at Shepherd's Conference. Hey. And you don't think he'd be invited? Hey, hey. <laughs> come on now. What? No, you know, and so one of the lines, one of my favorite lines from the Chalcedonian definition is that um, it says, one in, the same, one in the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, recognized in two natures. And then here are four qualifiers that are very helpful regarding his two natures, okay? It says, um, without confusion. So his, his natures are never confused with one another. His human nature is always human. His divine nature is always divine. Without change. So the divine nature never changes when it takes on a human nature in unity, okay? And the human nature doesn't change. It's actually human without division. And so we can't parse out Jesus and say, well, he was being human there, but he was being divine there. We have one Christ, one Son of God, uh, and then without separation. And so we we have to take Jesus as he comes to us in the scriptures. And even when we have to, like we do with the Trinity, confess this is a mystery to us. Praise be to God. Um, we want to affirm what the Bible affirms and be careful not to go beyond that or twist it. Hmm. Yeah, so what would you say, Rick, to, to those who would say, well, and this was, this was a uh, heresy of the past. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, his divine nature departed because God can't die. Well, how would you how would you correct that? Um, no, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. His his human nature is definitely in view because God can't die, right? Yeah. And yet, uh, what Jesus says, 
to to the thief today, you will be with me in paradise. Yeah, yeah, and then of course the 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 revelation passage, the famous revelation passage that we use when we're talking to our um, Jehovah's Witness and Mormons Mormon friends. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, John's recording this, and he goes, When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. But he said, uh, he put his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the first and the last. So he's, I'm God. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the person of Christ that John's encountering, uh, the uh, ascended Christ. Uh, I am not dead. Wait a minute. Uh, I fell on his feet. I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, verse 18, and the living one. I died, Hmm. and behold, I am alive forevermore. Hmm. I have the keys to death in Hades. Hmm. That's so good. So Hmm. the resurrected God-man said to John, I died. Hmm. There there was no separation there. And so we sing, like, in And Can It Be? Yeah. Yes. That thou, my God, didst die for me. Yeah. And what, what we're not confessing is that the divine nature died. Mm-hmm. But we are confessing that the one Christ, the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, being fully God and fully man, he died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we want to be clear on what we're saying and what we're not. And yet both uses of those, both ways of talking about it are, are in fact theologically true. So a lot of a lot of what we've said so far, what you guys have said so far, is it's hard to wrap our minds around, and it's it's hard to grasp. And so a lot of these creeds that have been written are a response to heresies that have sprung out, sprung up because of people trying to explain this, uh, right. this divine and, and human nature of Christ. Uh, so so why is it important that we we get this right? These two, these two, the the human and, and divine nature. Well, if you Christ. get it wrong, you're in a bad place after you die. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, why it's important. So you, John, you just mentioned the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons. Yeah, they they obviously don't believe this. This they do not. They do not, and and that's why it's important, and not just for evangelistic reasons, for eternal reasons, yeah. for everyone. We're talking about everyone, including right. those who come to our church. Right. You yeah. can't get this wrong. Yeah. yeah, because the gospel's contingent on it depends on the Jesus that we see in the New Testament. It depends on the Jesus who is one sec- one person of the God, one of the three persons of the Godhead with two natures doing exactly what he did with his natures being what they are. Yeah. We d- and so every every angle of getting this wrong um, intentionally intentionally denying the truths that the scripture presents about the natures of Christ and his personhood um compromises the gospel that's why this is such a big deal mm-hmm. because when you change mm-hmm. jesus you change the gospel mm-hmm. when you change the gospel you can't be saved mm-hmm. and i think the, an important word there is intentional yeah that you used yep because for example your four kids mm-hmm. probably can't you know argue their way through the two natures of christ at right. this point nope maybe Avonlea could but <laughs> but yeah the, the other three <laughs> Probably could not. And Actually, so are you Kinley's, saying... Kinley's a bit of a theologian too. So. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the unbaptized side of the table. Um, <laughs> sometimes praise, Father, thank you for dying for our sins. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about that, but what they're not doing is they're not they're not embracing patripassianism. They're not right. denying right. that the Son of God came and died. It's a, it's an, it's it's a, an ignorance. a confusion and an ignorance. Yeah, right. And a lot of Christians have that because they get these things confused. They do. And so we're not saying, Sun Valley Church, that if you can't define the doctrine 
uh, the dual nature of Christ's doctrine that you're on your way to hell, that we're not saying that. Right. Right. And no. I think that's yeah. important to hear. It's very important. But we are like, you know, like Lewis says in the Chronicles of Narnia, saying that we should be going further up and further in mm-hmm. and knowing God mm-hmm. for who he is because it actually matters. Did, did Lewis say that or was it Lucy? Um, Lewis through Lucy. Yeah, I think it was Lucy. Now we're getting a dual authorship. Wait, no, yeah. no, that's Chronicles of Narnia. But you know that is helpful though. We want to, we do want to press on. Or Jeremiah, I know for sure he said, "Let us press on to, yes. <laughs> to know the Lord." Yeah. yeah. So yeah. one of the crazy uh, aspects of of Christ becoming man is the idea that he came to serve and not to be served. Um, why is it necessary for Christ to serve us? Well, the the, the um, model was laid out in the Old Testament priesthood, hmm. right? So the Old Testament priesthood was the go-between, the mediator, right, between God and the people. Uh, he mediated the grace of God through the, the, t- the temple worship to make things right between God and sinful people. Yeah. And so that is what Jesus, Jesus is, uh, those priests were forerunners or you know, models of what Jesus came to do, the, the ultimate high priest, which the entire book of Hebrews is about, yeah. how, how we have a, a better high priest than all those Old Testament high priests who, who came and went. We, now we have an eternal high priest in Jesus Christ who does all that mediating for us. Yeah. And that is so central to the gospel as well. That, that's the role of Christ. He is our mediator. We sing about that, right? That's yeah. one of my favorite songs we sing. Yeah. There is only one God. There is one mediator between God and man, yeah. the man Jesus Christ. So does that service continue even still? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Without that mediation, there's there's no no fellowship yeah. with the Father. Yeah. People say they can run into the, the throne room of the Father now, uh, not without Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and the, the service, so he, Jesus says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to yeah. give his life as a ransom for many. The giving of his life as a ransom for many is done. And on that basis, um, we can come, but we only come. And actually, Mark Jones in uh, Knowing Christ makes a point of saying that without the, the intercessory work of Christ, which is his part of his priestly service to us, we would not be saved. Hmm. That's right. We, we need him to intercede for us. And, and here's the, the amazing, awesome part, is we'll need that throughout eternity. Yeah. We will always be dependent on Christ. Mm-hmm. We'll never get to the point ever, even yeah. when we see him face to face, that we can go at it alone. Yeah. We are dependent. Yeah. We will always be finite. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful finiteness yeah. to be dependent and intimate with yeah. Jesus, the eternal, infinite one. So I think there's there's there might be a confusion in the sense of like when when Christ sits down at the right hand of God the Father, right, and His work is complete. People think, okay, well, Christ's Christ's work is complete. But you're saying that that's not the case. Well, uh, his salvific work is complete. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. He's not have to go back to the, the cross. Right. He doesn't have to go back into the the history of mankind and redeem someone yeah. else. It's done it's, but his his mediating his work. mediating is continual yeah but in a point that that pastor john made when he was preaching through hebrews was that jesus our our great high priest is seated at the right hand of god um there were no seats in mm-hmm. 
the tabernacle or the temple because the priest's work of um, making sacrifice and atonement was never done. But now that Jesus is, he's seated. Mm-hmm. And, and so there is this finished and ongoing aspect to Christ's priestly service to us. Mm-hmm. Right? Would you say that's true? Oh, yeah, for sure. And and that, I think that's what Isaiah 40 through 66 is all about, yeah. is that, that suffering servant. Yeah. He, he, he came, and, and his service, uh, he serves us by his suffering. Yeah. He serves us. That's, a, that's the priestly work. He, he, didn't, he didn't bring the blood of bulls and goats. He brought his own blood yeah. to the altar of God yeah. in the heavenly tabernacle, Hebrews tells us. Not one made with hands. Yeah. He brought his own blood. Picture that. Our priest showed up before the Father at the eternal tabernacle, which exists according to Hebrews, with his own blood and presented it to the Father as a propitiation for our sins, Romans 3. It's an amazing picture. And it's hard to to get through that without standing in awe in your heart and realizing what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... So we're getting we're getting prepared for for Holy Week here in the next two weeks from now, I believe. Um, how how should these truths motivate us through that week as we prepare for that week? As we, I mean, as we celebrate, just just I guess regularly, like now in our homes or yeah, what do you, what do you mean in our in our homes in our in our in our personal devotions in in corporate worship, all those things. Um, I think one thing we could do is is keeping these truths about Christ in mind, um, the nature of you know his two natures, the nature of his work, um, and especially keeping in mind the Old Testament pictures that Jesus came to fulfill. Mm-hmm. I'd say spend spend concentrated time in um, the later part of Matthew, in Luke and Mark. Spend time in John, you know, thirteen through twenty, mm-hmm. um, because that. John especially devotes those, you know, almost half his gospel to Holy Week. And we see picture after picture of Christ, like like the triumphal entry. He's riding in as the sacrificial lambs of Israel that had been raised for the purpose of Passover sacrifice mm-hmm. are also being brought into Jerusalem to be prepared for slaughter that week. And so he's the Lamb of God riding into Jerusalem with the lambs. Um, a great little book. Um, That's awesome. Right? Isn't that an awesome picture? Yeah. I spent some time on that when I was preaching through John. It yeah. is just mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah. It but is. Jesus is actually riding on a donkey in the middle of literally hundreds of thousands of lambs mm-hmm. who are being ushered yeah. into the city of Jerusalem at that very moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he... So a little book that was just published last year by um, one of... Uh, I don't know if he, he was one of your professors. He was one of mine, uh, William Varner. It's called Passionate About the Passion Week. I'm just kind of reading that devotionally um, throughout this month leading up to Easter. And it's it, it just, in short little chapters, it, it highlights those kind of things and brings them back with their Old Testament connections. That's a great way. Um, have a guided tour of Jesus' last days. Mm-hmm. And then don't just leave it there with having learned more information start praying right after <laughs> that'd be one way yeah yeah i think those are good devotionals like uh, like you just like barners and like the one we've we've promoted to our church yeah um you paul, know paul trip yeah paul trip book that uh, many of us are reading through right now yeah but one thing i want to say jeremy as much as i think it's really good and important to especially during this time of year to 
you know, focus on that Holy Week and the the approach of Christ. He set his face to Jerusalem, Mm, you know, from that moment on. I mean, there's nothing more important in human history than that week. Yeah. And, And so I think it's critical that we do something special as Christians to have that the weight of that week on us during this time of the year. Yeah. And yet, what do we do the rest of the year? I think that this week can influence the entire year. Yeah. And I think it ought to. Yeah. I think we ought to be thinking of Christ in these terms all year long. Yeah. I mean, what better way to influence or impact your 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 daily sanctification yeah. than thinking of this week yeah. and all that Christ went through for us and, and the glory of Christ and his natures and, and, and his work, his person and work uh, from, you know, eternity past into eternity future. This is what our life, Christian life is about. Yeah. It's, it's about Christ. Yeah. And so I, I would, I would encourage our people not just to make a run at Christ for three or four weeks before Easter yeah. And then, you know, crow coast the rest of the year. Uh, I would say let's let's make this as a, a running start yeah. to the entire year. Yeah. I, I, I really think it's a great opportunity to really invigorate, uh, uh, vitalize our maybe sagging spiritual lives. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's really important because when you think about it, this week, uh, you know, the Holy Week culminates in Good Friday, which results in Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. And that's the turning point of, of church history, whereas mm-hmm. in the church is going to begin after that. Yep. And the, the Sabbath gives way to the Lord's Day. And so every Sunday is in a sense, a mini Easter. It is. It, and it's supposed to be that way. Right, because we everything changed with the resurrection of Christ, right. which only happened because of the death of Christ. And one of the the reasons that I, um, one of the best reasons I've heard for opting out of um, Lent in the way that the Catholics observe it, or this idea that we have to have forty days of special penitence before we lead up to this, is you know you look back at the Old Testament and the Jews had one day of atonement, and that was the only mandated fast that they had under the Old Covenant. And why would we have now forty days of fast? under the new covenant. No, rather, why don't we be realizing that all of the Christian life is termed is phrased in, in terms of beholding the glory of the Lord and being changed from one degree of glory to another. Mm-hmm. And so beholding Christ, like, like John is saying, all year long is God's intended plan for our Christian growth. In fact, to the point where there is no Christian growth apart from it. Well, and, and it's not, you know, uh, circumstantial that the early Christians chose Sunday to worship on. Right, right. It, it it wasn't just because it was on the weekend. Yeah, uh, they didn't have the same work week we do, so they chose Sunday for a specific reason. Yeah, uh, which is should it should remind us, like you say, Rick, mm-hmm. every week of the resurrection. Right. Yeah. This is why we're gathering on Sunday. Right. We have a risen Lord. Yeah. That's the point, and we so we miss it so much because oh, what are you doing the weekend? Well, I go to church, and it's like yeah, you, that's you're missing the point. Yeah. So yeah. You know, and actually going back to Revelation 1, you know, John went there earlier, and I'll just finish up here in this part, is is John says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Whose day? 
The Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. And so that's a, that's a, he was there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to the person who said, no, that's my day. That's my only day off. <laughs> I work six days a week. That's my day. It's not the Lord's Day. That's my day. I say, you create any day and you can have it. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> create, and then when you raise on one, yeah. then let's talk because yeah. you might be the Antichrist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe we got some issues. Yeah, um, let's wait till eschatology. Now, there's 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 one I think confusing aspect about the resurrection of Christ, uh, and it's the idea I believe of when Christ was raised and when He ascended into heaven, uh, He set aside His human His His flesh and blood. Is that the case? Is Christ in heaven currently just a spirit, or is His His body there physically? I love this particular doctrine. Because it's some, it surprises some people. Yeah, you know, because I've said it from the pulpit before. Jesus is in heaven with flesh and blood, blood pumping through his veins right now. Yeah, I, I recently said that from the pulpit. I think within the last month, and I had a conversation with a person after that service about that statement, and they said, "I just never really thought about that before." Yeah, and I, and yeah, it's I, I early on in. Uh, Sun Valley Church's history, I preached a sermon on this, or it was part of a sermon I preached, and I gave an example of a person becoming a Chihuahua dog to minister to Chihuahuas. You know, I remember are, that sermon. You remember the Chihuahua sermon? Yeah, and the Chihuahua <laughs> sermon. And and I said that person had to commit to. If, if they're going to minister to dogs and become a Chihuahua, they'll have to commit to being a Chihuahua for eternity. Hmm. And that is what Christ did in committing himself to the plan of redemption, hmm. which is another reason it's so significant. The eternal God of the universe took on human flesh from the day he was born or the day he was conceived, maybe, through eternity, hmm. future. Hmm. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Yeah. He's, he's there with the nail marks in his hands, that's one of the first things that we will see mm-hmm. when we see him face to face is is his hands held out mm-hmm. to us for that eternal embrace. Mm-hmm. And you'll see the scars. You with us, Jer? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> isn't that isn't that amazing? That's just mind boggling. Yeah, man. And we'll be able to talk to him about that. Yeah. And thank him personally. Yeah. And embrace him for eternity. Yeah. And I think speak to him about all things that that blow our minds, you know, in the scriptures. Talk about, you know, healing the leper, <laughs> the blind man, walking on the Sea of Galilee and, you know, helping Peter during that time. And just those kind yeah. of things. Yeah. And it actually gives us a glimpse into part of the nature of heaven. It's not just some spiritual realm. There's actually physical reality. Don't we be physical in harps. heaven? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then what does Jesus say to the disciples? We will not, you know, when he institutes the supper, we will drink this again. Yeah. We will drink this anew in the kingdom. Yeah. That will require Jesus to have a body in the mm-hmm. kingdom, which, by the way, is an earthly kingdom. And after the resurrection, Jesus ate and drank with the disciples. Yeah. After the resurrection, yeah. he spoke with them. He said, Thomas, put your hand in yeah. my hand. Put your hand in my side. Yeah. Feel for yourself. Yeah. 
And then when he ascends to heaven, you know, for those who think that at that point he shed his body, no, what does the the angels tell the apostles in Acts 1? In the same way you will see him return. And Zechariah tells us he's returning, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. I think that requires feet. Yeah, mind bomb. Mind bomb. One of my one of my favorite stories, I think, in church history is I, I believe it's Hugh Latimer or Thomas Cranmer. Uh, they were going to they were going the to going to the stake. Ridley and Latimer. Ridley, Ridley and Latimer. Mm-hmm. And I forgot who who said what. I, Ridley to Latimer, or Latimer to Ridley. He said, "Take heart, for tonight you're gonna dine with Christ." Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then. No, he said, my other part of that, I like that story, is play the man. Yeah, play <laughs> the man. And my favorite part is when he says, we are about to light a flame, light a, light a candle in England that cannot yeah. be put out. Yeah. And then they were. Yeah. They, Those three lit. things are awesome. Yeah. They are. Because I've been playing the man ever since I heard that. It's yeah. like, well, I can pretend. Yeah. <laughs> Have cheer. Yeah. <laughs> play the man. Yeah. We're lighting it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And tonight, man, or today, you will dine with the risen Lord. Yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That that is really it puts death into the best I mean, theologically the light in which it's meant to be. Yes, mm-hmm. death is the last enemy to be defeated. Yes, it is an enemy, and yet it is also a grace of God because yeah. it is the great transition, crossing Jordan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, in my studies for this coming Sunday, I I read a, a comment from a reformer about that crossing the Jordan. And he's talking about temptation. He goes, even when I'm crossing the Jordan, I got Satan nipping at my heels. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> well, and you know, and then and then Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, he's he sinks. To, he feels like he's sinking to the bottom as yes. he's crossing through death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hopeful's dragging him along, and, yep. and they make it to the celestial city. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, I've been encouraged by this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and church, we hope that you've been encouraged too. We have an amazing and faithful and loving high priest in Jesus Christ. And we hope this has spurred you on to pursue him more fully. We love you, and we look forward to being with you on Sunday and and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.